Can Dwayne Dedman continue to provide a spark off the bench? We'll debate that and Miami's depth issues next. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, the longest-running podcast covering your Miami Heat. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. And remember that every episode is always free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. So make sure you subscribe and follow to get the best coverage available. The Heat season is just a day or two away, depending on when you listen to this episode. So with that in mind, today's episode will be focusing on one of the perceived issues with the Heat, their depth. Joining me on today's show is the host and co-founder of the Miami Heat Beat podcast and the creator of the subtitle anime YouTube channel. It's Giancarlo Navas. How are you doing, man? What did you just call this podcast? You said the what? Longest running podcast covering the Miami Heat. Wait, maybe like in Broward County or something. Not what do you what do you mean? What do you mean? When did you you start? This started in 2013 as the Heat Check podcast. And evolving. No, 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 no. I don't want to know what the Heat Check podcast did. We started the day that Brian and I, Brian Goins and I, started the day LeBron hit the buzzer beater against Indiana in Game One at home when he when he caught the ball at the three point line and took like one dribble into the rim. I believe that was 2013 as well. I mean, you can debate it, but whatever. Locked on Heat is. Listen, do you want to, David? Do you want to beef? Do you want to beef with us? Is that what is that what you want? I that's what I thought. That's what you were responding with Anchorman memes on Twitter. I thought that's what that was all about. I listen. I thought I thought we were listen. You and Wes, man. I don't know. You guys got to chill, especially Wes. Uh, what are you talking about? He didn't. I don't know. Just you he's, know, he's, he started talking about you know rap battles and things of that sort. And I mean that's that's all fine if that's what it wants to evolve. I, I I'm not too worried about anything. If you want to <laughs> if you want to talk to my lawyers, that's fine. Uh, I didn't think it needed to become a litigation. Where's issue. David Locke? He's in Utah covering the Jazz, a team with actual title aspirations. May 23rd, 2013 was our very first podcast episode. Yeah, but since then, I mean, if you want to go that route, you were part of the five reasons network. And then no, we started. Listen, we were on. We were we originally were an independent pod for a very long time. Then we joined the almighty ballers, uh, which I I don't even know whatever happened to that. I mean, we just went broke. Did they? Yes. Because the guy just disappeared off the face of the earth. That's what happens when you go broke, yeah. Oh, my God. That's so funny. I didn't even know that. Well, anyway, yeah, that's... Uh... Inside the industry with David Ramil and <laughs> Look, the offseason's been a blur. I don't think we've spoken on the podcast anyway. Uh, you joined me for one of my exit interviews. A lot's happened since yes. then. Namely, uh, some point guard from Philadelphia is now on the team. What have you enjoyed about the Kyle Lowry experience with the Miami Heat so far? Everybody telling me that I was right. I think that's been the best on Twitter. I'm getting a lot of apologies. So if, if those who are listening don't know, I've been Kyle Lowry is my favorite current basketball player. And I've been clamoring uh, for him for years. I've been saying it for years. <laughs> Shout out to the Deuces uh, podcast. But uh, he's just everything that they needed, right? Like, And, and David, one of the kind of uh, parts of his game that I, I didn't think would translate here super well. I mean, we all know about the defense and how, you know, Miami can play more of a drop because he's a, just a better on-ball guy, you know, instead yeah. of Goron, Hero, and none, right? But, you know, and, and we know the shooting he can provide off the dribble handoffs, you know, as a ball handler and pick and roll. We we knew all that. What I, what I probably didn't consider was he's going to speed them up a ton 
And despite Miami's kind of starting lineup spacing being a little wonky because Jimmy is not the best spacer, you know, Bam's obviously not a three-point shooter. And if Kyle's going to have the ball a lot, that leaves one of those two guys not directly involved in an action. Yep. And what, what Kyle's done to mitigate that is when Bam or Kyle get a rebound, they're pushing. And what happens when you kind of push that pace is defenses can't get set. A guy can fill the lane and you kind of create chaos. And Kyle Jimmy chaos. thrives in chaos. Kyle, Kyle chaos, chaos. yeah. And, and Jimmy thrives in that. And that, you know, when you're not playing a half court set every single time down the floor, you don't need this amazing spacing because you're just going to create these transition opportunities. And Miami was... I think people overstate, David, how bad Miami's transition offense was. They were like a top, I think, eight transition team in terms of points per possession, per transition, like opportunity. They just got out and ran one of the least amounts in the league. So what's going to change is they're going to run a lot more, which this is an older team. So it's yet to be seen how much they'll do it in the regular season. But Kyle's just been incredible for their offense in a way that I just didn't think he would be. Is that your biggest concern is how sustainable it is or to me one of the things that i've been kind of beating the drum is is that partnership with jimmy which he talked about post game on friday after a win over the celtics you know he talked about having to be in that you know termed kyle chaos and having to adjust and everybody else having to figure it out you know duncan robinson has spoken about that at length throughout the training camp and i was wondering whether or not we would see this kind of see this offense thrive with Jimmy being more of a half court player, a little bit slower and bringing the ball up and then Kyle being on the other end of the spectrum. So which one of those two do you think is a bigger concern for Miami? Is it sustainability due to health and age or whether or not Jimmy and Kyle can continue to function at a high level? It's sustainability with age. Cause like Kyle and Jimmy are going to fit really well together because a, and we didn't talk about this enough last season, you know, but Jimmy as a screener, he was by far the most efficient screener points by possession he just didn't qualify because he didn't play enough he didn't have enough possessions as a screener but i think if he was healthy all season he would have been he was almost like at he I think he was like at 1.8 points per possession and somebody please somebody tweet me if i'm wrong I, I don't have the numbers in front of me but he was one of the most efficient role man in in the league right and that was with Dragic, who's not as good of a pick and roll player as kyle Dragic is probably a little bit better of a shooter although last season i know he struggled a bit um but but Kyle's just a better passer, a, a bigger downhill threat at this point in both their careers. I know they're both old, but you know Kyle's just a better guy getting to the rim and stuff. Yeah, Kyle looked a little timid on on offense, and I wonder how much of a balance he's going to try to create throughout the regular season. Because I mean, everything we've seen so far is exciting, and I keep having to pump the brakes on it, at least for my own benefit and for the benefit ostensibly of our listeners. I just keep feeling like we've seen some wonderful things happen over the six games of the preseason, five of which. Kyle has been a participant in two of which Jimmy has been a participant. And I wonder how sustainable it is and how this is going to translate once teams are fielding their full rosters. And we might not see that because there might be COVID issues. There might be all sorts of concerns throughout the regular season. But at the same time, I'm just not, I don't know exactly what to make of what we've seen over the six games that we've seen this offense being run and whether or not we're going to be able to see that for prolonged stretches during the course of the regular season. But I mean, that's, I don't want to nitpick. I I want to get caught up in the excitement of it. David, you're right. Because like, remember the season that the Lakers missed the playoffs? Yeah. 
And people were talking about, oh, because the Lakers had like really bad spacing that year, right? right? And they were like, oh, but look, the Lakers offense is so good. And the Lakers were on a winning streak before LeBron got hurt and this and that. The Lakers were playing at the fastest pace in the league. LeBron yeah, Luke Walton, never... that's his offense in Sacramento, pushed the ball yeah. up. Yeah. But LeBron doesn't play quick. That's right. just never been his MO. And I'm right. like, and he got hurt playing that quick. Yep. And I'm like, that's not sustainable for them. They were playing at a torrid pace. And that's just not something that's typically sustainable with older veteran teams or veteran kind of ball handlers. So with Miami, I I think I thought it was interesting that in the preseason they were really heads up and going, and that could be the like that could be the, the, the like the mission statement, right? It's like okay, we're gonna get on a run and suppose obviously a, a great and smart coach and Kyle's a, a freaking basketball savant, so I'm sure that that's the plan, right? But let's see how they look in February and how 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 quick they're playing because i think that's going to be indicative they might start the season every listen every coach says in training camp right david sure. i mean you've done a bunch of this. oh we're gonna play faster it's like it's the sexy thing to do right. um but you know it's yet to be seen and, and there are a couple injuries from that going sideways because gabe vincent certainly can't play that heads up pace that that kyle likes and stuff like that so to me it's for sure more the sustainability of what they're doing because i still have questions about their offense and it depends on a lot of things. It's going to depend a lot on how PJ performs as a shooter. I think it's also going to depend on how Kyle performs as a shooter because Kyle's not like this 40% career shooter, right? Kyle's, you know, 34 to 37%, right? So if he's on the lower end of that spectrum. Yeah, he's no know, OG and none of that's for sure. Yeah, and listen, shout out to OG. And I love Kyle, right? And I think he's a good enough, he's a good shooter in the fact that he is defended like a good shooter, right? There are some good shooters that aren't, but you know what I mean? Uh, yep. So he he will be defended as a shooter and he does shoot a lot. But if he's on the lower end of his shooting seasons, you know, it's going to be tough for Miami's offense when you're playing with two other non-spacers in, in Bam and Jimmy. So, you know, they need a lot to go right for their offense. Their defense, I think, is going to be top five. I don't think there's a question about that unless, you know, they are like demonstrated, like really, really unhealthy. Yeah. I think their defense is pretty much a lock to be. I mean, they were they were what, eighth or, or top 10 defense last season with. Yeah. Jimmy Bam and a bunch of bad defenders. <laughs> so, you know, so for me, it's for sure the sustainability. Yeah, you must be happy, though, just seeing Kyle in the heat uniform. Like, uh, I mean, I know this is validation of the highest order, but still, it's incredible. You love to see it. Yeah, he, he looked the, the vibes of this team have been great. Like we have not. Yeah, this was to me anyway, reminiscent of like the 2019 team when Jimmy first came and just brought a whole new energy, even with the turmoil of James Johnson and Dion getting suspended and justice being hurt and everything else. There was still a positivity in that locker room that just didn't exist last season. It was a tough year for everybody. And now with Kyle and his team, there's like a renewed sense of purpose and uh, intent to quote Eric Spolstra something that he loves talking about with his team is that they just have a high IQ that they they move with intention and that they they're just a really good team at least capable of being really good so I'm curious to see how it plays out over the course of the season we'll get to that at, at some point don't have to worry about that right now though I want to talk a little bit about the team's depth and, and what prompted me to invite you on the show in the first place which she so graciously accepted uh, was a recent point you made about Miami backup center Dwayne Dedman. Uh, you seem to be a fan of the mechanics. I know you've got <laughs> a great relationship with him, and uh, you, you've been very supportive. He has reciprocated that support, too, and, and that's fantastic. Uh, at the same time, 
I guess I have been a little consistent in saying that I'm not necessarily a believer in what he can bring to the table. And you kind of mentioned to me that you think it's important for the Heat when it comes to these roster building moves to to win on the fringes, uh, to make these kind of little moves that can help in the in the big scheme of things. And maybe you're right. I rewatched all of his field goal attempts from last season, and there's no denying that he does bring a certain energy. But what is it about Deadman that you specifically like? David, let's let's be frank right now. When the games count, when the games count, when the games matter, because all we know, I don't care much about the regular season. It doesn't matter. When the games actually matter, Bam's going to play what? 40 minutes? Close 30, to yeah. 38 minutes, right? Yeah. So you just need Deadman to go out there for eight minutes and not wet the bed. And <laughs> no, like I'm being honest, right? And I think we've seen you know, a ton of history of good teams being derailed by weak links. And I always bring up the the example of the big three heat against the Indiana Pacers when George Hill would go for a rest and DJ Augustine would come in, the heat would just throttle the Pacers. And that was really the series, right? In a series that won seven games that, you know, those minutes where DJ Augustine was in the game, LeBron, Dwayne, Bosch, you know, everybody, you know, their eyes opened and they're like, we are going to make this motherfucker's life hell. I'm sorry. I'm not, I don't remember if I'm allowed to curse or not. Yes. Um, so if you're looking at Miami and you're like, okay, well, who are our eight rotation guys? We need somebody to play backup five. You know, okay, you have Deadman for eight minutes. Deadman's not going to get throttled like that. You know, the numbers last season, albeit in a small sample, were incredible, like absolutely incredible. They were plus 17 net rating with a 126 offensive rating when he played. A lot of that was his synergy with Jimmy in pick and roll. I've tweeted kind of the sets that they run and how – you know, his pick and roll chemistry with Jimmy is really good because he times his roles and his screens really, really well. I don't like the the lineups with Morris. We can get into that later. I think those are kind of bad. Um, he was second in offensive EPM for the Heat. EPM is estimated plus minus, which is dunks and threes, which is a great website. Zach Lowe has really touted them a bunch. And they were one of the, the, the there was a, an executive poll, an NBA executive poll on what advanced statistics are, are the best. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, Dunks and threes, uh, EPM was, was one of them. Uh, so, I mean, he's just really by any metric and by eye test, just a really productive backup center that when you really count, you just need him to play eight minutes. And I just, for a minimum contract, David, how much more can you ask out of him? Like the dude brings leadership to them, a professionalism, Whoa. rebounding. No, I, I I refute that leadership part of it. Whatever. I mean, if you don't want to buy into that stuff, that's like totally fine. Like, I don't I don't blame anybody for that. But the fact that he's a productive offensive rebounder when they're small is just it's huge in itself. Um, he provided second six extra chance possessions, second chance points per hundred possessions, six extra chance, uh, you know, extra chances per hundred possessions. Sure. Uh, for Miami, pays so that's huge for them, right? Especially. You know, with a team that, you know, has some questions on offense, you know, especially when we get into the the other lineups, right, that are not, you know, the starters, you know. So I just think when you kind of put all that together, you look at what he brings, you're just like, man, I, I, you can't ask for much more out of your backup center who's on a minimum deal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, I, I get it. I understand. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Dwayne in the next segment. I'm here with Jan Carlo Navas and you're listening to Locked on Heat. All right, NBA fanatics. Have you heard about prize picks? Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will too. Prize Picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator. 
and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. They offer you any prop you can think of from yards to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All of your users that deposit and use your promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use the promo code NBA. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected number. Don't hesitate. Check out Price Picks and use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And speaking of easy, today I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Before the break, we were getting into some of the discussion here, the numbers regarding Dwayne Dedman in 16 games last year, and of course, four postseason games. Pretty good, uh, solid overall impact, limited minutes. He is a little foul prone. But that's fine off the bench, I think. I I think when you're, if he's not a starter, I think that that's okay and use him. (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, yes and no, because I feel like when you have those lineups out there, if he is foul prone, then he's virtually unplayable. And yes, you're right. He's not going to get a lot of playing time, but those are also those minutes where you have to either hold on to a lead or perhaps you just want to at least tread water until the starters can get back in there and make their late game push and things of that sort. And that's where I wonder whether or not he could represent at least a little bit of slippage in Miami's overall depth. So like last season, I think the big number that really defined everything about their bad year was Jimmy Butler on the floor plus seven net rating. Good. Totally. Then the year that they made the finals, they had the same Uh, Jimmy Butler off the floor, minus seven net rating the year before when they made the finals, they were treading water. They were plus zero, right? So they were breaking even with Jimmy off and they were like killing teams with Jimmy on Uh, same, same last year. They were killing teams with Jimmy on and they were, but they were actually getting throttled with Jimmy off. Right. So, you just got to survive. Well, now it's different because you have Kyle, right? So now the Jimmy and what Spoh's done is Jimmy, you know, we, we saw a little bit in that Boston game, Jimmy plus the bench mob, right? So it's like Kyle goes out first and then Jimmy and Bam kind of hold it down for a bit. Then Deadman checks in for Bam, which I like because then Bam and Kyle get more playing time together, which I just think those guys synergize perfectly. And then Jimmy could play. You know, I think it was like Jimmy Duncan, Tyler, Deadman, and I, and I think I forgot who else. It might have been Markeith. If you can get Markeith to be like a better shooter, now you're really talking. Now you can have some a really nice spread pick and roll offense, get Jimmy downhill, going to the rim against backups. I, I love that look for them. And I think Deadman is kind of perfect for that. You know, you just give Jimmy a big target with hands, <laughs> a roller, and a guy who can offensive rebound some of Jimmy's sometimes weird misses. Yeah. And it just makes sense to me. It just, David, it just makes sense. He's like the one thing about their second unit that makes total sense. Okay. Uh, well, are you leaning into the kennel nickname for the uh, the roster there? I think it's kind of lame. I think players oftentimes come up with the worst nicknames for themselves or their teams. It's, well, like, I think he it's was never like, good. It was kind of on the spot there. I, I don't really think that. I like, hmm, I like the hmm club. <laughs> I missed that. That was good. Shout out to Bam, J. Rich, and Justice. Uh, that was cool. 
Uh, but, we were uh, seeing Jay Rich in a Boston Celtics uniform live, like watching him come out on the floor and shoot around before the game and just not. I love that uh, guy, man. Let me tell you, David, you've been in the locker room. One of the nicest dudes. For sure. After losses, like some players reasonably, you know, they don't really want to give you much or talk after losses. But like Josh was like always really kind, always really professional, always willing to joke like he and Gogi, uh, just like A plus people. No one harder on him than himself. Like uh, that's, uh, I, you know, Heat fans have been very difficult. A true millennial. <laughs> yeah, he he always, you know, he took a lot of crap from Heat fans, and maybe some of it was deserved. I mean, he he did struggle at times, but he was also forced into a role he was not expecting to to play up to, and he didn't exactly thrive in that role. And uh, but he, let me tell you, he, nobody nobody took the brunt of that harder than he did. So that's uh, that's something to always consider. But uh, I, you did mention Markeith Morris, and I'm wondering. Do you think that there's any opportunity for Markeith to thrive as a backup five? I know he's certainly going to play some minutes there, but I think between him and Deadman, do you see the possibility of Morris kind of standing out a little bit more than Dwayne? I would like Deadman. I would like Morris to play backup. I mean, I like Deadman at backup five more than Morris. I just don't really, I don't really, if, if you're going to play Morris at five, you know, I guess what you add is a little bit more mobility. You get a mm -hmm. little bit more switchability on defense. And I guess, theoretically you get a little more shooting although if he's shooting a three you're losing <laughs> you're losing that possession even yeah. if it's wide open so for me i'm like the juice isn't worth the squeeze i think he's better suited to be a backup five but i just don't really know what he provides better than than deadman the lineups with him and deadman not great have really have been bad and like you you don't have to look that far you look to last season any minute, the minutes that Morris played with AD, the Lakers were like minus double digits per 100 possessions. That's with AD. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so if if AD couldn't make that work, who can shoot the ball? Uh, I, I just don't, I don't like the look. But what option do they have, David? I mean, they don't have another backup power forward unless you lean into three guards plus Jimmy, which maybe in the playoffs they do. But I don't really like that in the regular season. You know, you want to keep, you know, these guys fresh. So, you know, until further notice, that's kind of what they have. Yeah. I, like, I mean, I know Marquis contract is guaranteed and you're not looking to bring a, a 15th player on the roster, but a lot of players waved around the league. I think one name that maybe stands out more than the others, Jabari Parker. I, I can't. No, not good enough shooting. You, yeah. You kind of, you kind of get that. And, and defensively, I, I don't, I like, I, I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, I, if I wish I would have preferred Ariza. In that role, and not—I mean, Ariza hurt for the Lakers or so whatever, right? But um, I think Ariza just makes more sense than than uh, than a guy like Morris. I just—I don't—I've never been a fan of his. Mm -hmm. um, he's certainly tough, and and he does provide you know some things. And I do think that there's like a place for guys like him in the league. I just think with Miami, who's already hemorrhaging spacing, yeah. I just don't really think that he's a fit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and as we're wrapping up the front court here. Uh... Thad Young, I, I I just I keep talking about it. I mean, I don't I don't I know there's no I'd chance do it, of man. Him. Yeah, right. I'd I do think it. he's a great fitter. He's not the shooter that you need, but I just think he's so good at everything else that you just you're just like we're gonna take the IQ and the talent because he's just like a better player than Morris, right? And I think yeah. he has the same kind of limitations, but he's just a smarter and a better player. And like at every margin, he's like a little bit better at everything. Yeah, and I just challenge BJ for a starting role on this team. I think. No, I don't know. I, they they need the they need the shooter there, and not that PJ's a shooter, capital S. But uh, he's been good in the preseason for them. I know that Bucks fans are really upset with kind of the spacing. But like if, if PJ, 
I just think they need an upgrade at the four. I mean, ideally you get like a real starting power forward and you can move PJ to the bench or you have a guy at the bench and then he closes depending. I don't know. Um, but they're, they're a wing short, like a guy like, you know, I've said Harrison Barnes, obviously that's not realistic at this point, but like a, a player like Harrison Barnes or Gallinari. Oh, Harry like, Giles is another name that stands out a little bit. I don't know exactly what his situation was, but he was cut. I guess he's a project, a long-term one, obviously, obviously some injury issues with him as well. And whether or not he's don't have the roster space to like roll the dice. You know what I mean? No, at, at this point, it's not even the space, right? They do have an extra spot, right? It's just the, the cap maneuverability, the uh, the yeah. willingness to pay the luxury tax. So, well, also like I think they're waiting just for the buyout market. Like I think that they, I think they're keeping the spot open for the buyout market, or if they do like a two for one trade. That's fair. That's fair. Is there an ideal fit? I mean, other than Harrison Barnes, I mean, I just that contract. Alan is a guy I like a lot. I mean, but again, like so, I was like big on Otto Porter. Uh, which I think is a really yes. good signing for the Warriors. Let's see how he looks. Um, you know, we've, we've have a lot of examples of dudes looking like, like bad in a bad situation and then going to a good one and looking great. I think Batum is really the prime example. That dude looked like he was done, done. Goes to the Clippers is like, you know, making a run as their starting four. So Otto was a guy that I really liked for them. Um, Gallinari, you know, obviously he's not available, but guys like that, you know, kind of some fours that are a little switchable that can play wing. They don't need a stiff at four. They need a guy who can shoot the ball. I don't think they need, I used to say like they needed a guy at the four who can kind of get downhill. That's not as important anymore with Kyle. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a luxury, but as long as a guy can like hit, hit a spot up, switch a little bit and defend uh, and can hold up physically. I think that that's the most important. Well, we'll look at some of the other players on this roster and see how they'll be able to contribute throughout the regular season. I'm here with Giancarlo Navas, and you're listening to Locked on Heat. Sometimes you just want a snack, right? You want to get something to tide you over in between meals. You're kind of craving something sweet, maybe, but you don't want to indulge in too much sugar, too high in fat, etc. Well, let me tell you, there's a solution, and that's Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar I've ever had. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors, nine in total? You can get a mixed box where you get two of each of the nine flavors from coconut to mint brownie, salted caramel, cookies and cream, and more. It's a great way to try all the different flavors available and find which one is your favorite. You can always give some of them away to friends, families, coworkers, and Built Bars are great because they fit all sorts of diets too. They're great for keto diets. They're great for all kinds of, any kind of diet that you can think of. Built Bars will be the solution for you. So right now you go to built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 you get 15% off your order. That's 15% off, but only if you use the promo code LOCK15 at built.com. Just a reminder, you can always reach me via email at lockedonheat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLHeat. Be sure to please follow the show and leave a review as always. I'm here with Giancarlo Navas of the Miami Heat Beat Podcast and other platforms as well. Tyler Hero has been pretty good over the preseason. You're not, I, I knew this was part of what- No, I he's good. I, this, no, hate, no, no, hate. no, no, no. I know how you feel, man. You've been open about it many, many times before. Like this is what partly why I reached out to you via Twitter, something I am loathe to do, but it's just <laughs> like for you, like Dwayne all of a sudden represents like this great savior. Look at his energy. Look at his numbers, David, David, look at his numbers. And then conversely, like Tyler puts up these huge numbers and you're like, eh, he's okay. You know, short arms, unathletic, can't create space, et cetera. Like, yeah. 
there has to be some subjectivity to it. You have to admit. No, that he's for you. he's been good. No, I, I, David, I can't say anything. I mean, this preseason, he's been fantastic. I think the the little sights up jumper has been much improved. I think he's a lot more patient in pick and roll, which is something that I think was a weakness for him last season. And I think this season, it's been really, really good. It's been a weapon for him. Um, I think obviously the you know if the shooting is back, you know that. Or that just makes you like your utility as a player skyrocket. Yeah. Um, but I mean, his shooting is like, cause he could shoot off the bounce. Right. So I thought that play in the Boston series in the Boston game where bam sets a screen, like, like by the logo almost right? right. Like a really, really high screen because he knows and Tyler knows, okay, I can get him to that pull up three top side. And that's the hardest shot to hit. You know what I mean? Like it's the furthest, and it, it's where the, the help can come easiest. And a lot of times defenses give you that um, because it's it's just the, like the least effect, like the least effective of, of the three-point shot. So if Tyler's going to be able to hit that, especially in those situations where Bam really high screens, which also if teams want to blitz Tyler and test his playmaking ability, if Tyler can get rid of that ball quick enough and if he sees that pass, now Bam has an advantage. They're down a man, and Bam has the ball with space, passing with the cutters that Kyle and Jimmy are dunking on the weak side or whatever they do. And all of a sudden, you you really have something going. So the floater for Tyler has been there as well. I've been very critical of him creating space. I still don't see him being that. And I, I've always said, David, he's going to be Lou Williams without the free throw rate, which is a sure. good player, right? That Lou Williams has been in this league for how long, you know, getting buckets. So that's not like a, that's not a pejorative to say that. It's just like, I think people say, okay, all-star level guy. I'm like, well, I don't think he'll get there ever, Mm -hmm. but I do think he has utility. Now I, I felt that he, I I mean, I felt that they could probably get something that fits their timeline a little better because they're Mm -hmm. kind of win now. But I mean, he's been fantastic for them. I think on defense, He's always been a bad on ball guy, but I think his rotations are like pretty solid. And so last year with none, none was awful on ball and off ball, right? At least <laughs> Tyler was, you know, can provide a little bit of decent rotation. Yeah. Uh, and I thought Dragas was just like a better on ball guy. Uh, and his like rebounding that. skills. I mean, and if you're talking about other players that can help push that pace. That's, I think Tyler can certainly contribute to that at a high level for sure. And David, if he's good, like if he's this, yeah, you give Eric the ability, Eric Spolster, the ability to play because him and Duncan have played a lot together in the preseason, which is encouraging because those lineups have typically looked awful. Not good. Yeah. Not good, but they look good in the preseason. So if they're going to be like, actually be able to survive. And part of that is shout out to Duncan for improving his defense. Uh, Cause that's really helped them survive. Yeah. Um, you can, you can play those two Kyle and then, like I said earlier, Jimmy at the four and then Bam at the five. That's their best I, lineup, right? Well, it depends on what Oladipo looks like. But, you know, as of right now, that's that might be your best spacing lineup for sure. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on Victor Oladipo? Like, I mean, okay. The thing with me is I keep looking around national media and, and you're probably as, as aware of this as I am, but not believers in what Miami is building here. Like the more we see from other national media members other outlets looking at miami's chances and they look at atlanta and their run to the eastern conference finals they look at boston even as a team with potential the knicks certainly 
And then all of a sudden, Chicago, I'm sorry, Chicago, a team that all of a sudden has rebuilt their roster and seems like they're much improved, et cetera. And they're all big believers in what they can accomplish. And Miami, older, weaker, bad depth, et cetera. I, I just, I don't buy it. But I, when you look at this depth, I, I'm encouraged by it. I think all of that has been wildly overstated. I think Tyler's been great. I think you're getting what you're getting out of Morris and Deadman. I like what Max Struess can provide, and I like his potential. And I believe that Oladipo is going to come back and be a significantly impactful player. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, David. I mean, let's listen. We don't have. I'm old enough to remember that when the Heat put LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh together, the national Who? media was down on them. Yeah, you know no, what I mean. So no, not down on them. I mean, like they they disparaged them in the way that they were assembled, and certainly. Oh, no, can they were they share one David. Ball? David, can they, they share were down. David, they were down on them. I, I think nobody picked them to win the title like for like three straight years or something ridiculous like that. Well, they did. Like people were not into the idea of that team was going, oh, the depth, the centers. Like I, I, I'm old enough to remember how people talked about that team and people just for some reason, I don't know what it is. Media never believes in Miami. Maybe the media just thinks they're annoying. Wow, you Maybe really lean into that? You actually no, believe I believe that, that David. I believe that because it's 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 like a little weird, like the Knicks do not like the Knicks have like a bad off season or like a medium off season. Kemba and, looks good. No, he doesn't. Come on, David. I'm David. Twelve months ago, Goran Dragic outplayed Kemba Walker in an Eastern Conference Finals. Twelve months ago. And Malcolm Brogdon, and and also, and then all of a players. sudden, Gogi's in Toronto. Gogi was here, and everyone's like, "Eh, whatever." Gogi's in Toronto, eh, whatever. Kemba, New York, oh, New York, great signing, starting point guard. They're gonna make some. I, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm. It's weird. I'm kind of annoyed by it, frankly. Uh, and I, I just think that, yeah, I do think that national media has something against Miami. And like I said, that's fine. Like it doesn't bother me. Like I don't get mad at these people. Like I think that sometimes on Twitter, like people are just like are like attack you know, Zach Harper or like Dave Dufour for like saying that they don't like uh, like your team. Like that's ridiculous, right? It's just basketball. Who cares? Uh, but I, I don't know. There's something about the way that the Heat have always been covered that's been a little weird. You know what I mean? But that's just, that's our interpretation of it being in this insular bubble of what Miami I'm a Raptors is. fan, David. Uh, oh, get you know, the hell this, out of here. Yeah, a, okay. This I, is I, an I, objective I, opinion. Sure, sure. <laughs> I'm not in the trenches like you. Oh, right. I look, I the bubble of Miami fandom and coverage, if you will, even if it's not fandom. I, I David, think David, when it, does the media ever believe in the team? I give me I, an example. Well, have they ever been like worthy of that belief? Yes, David, they have three titles in the last 15 years. They've made they they they've made the the finals, what is it, five or six times? I mean, they were a flawed team in 2006. And since then they haven't been participating. David, they had Shaq, who was second in MVP voting the year before. Don't give me come that. On. No, huh? come on. They were a flawed team outside of that. Look, do you recall what happened? David, in going into the seat, they David, traded away you half had, your roster. You're, you're you had prime Shaq. You had prime Shaq and Dwayne Wade. Okay. Prime Shaq is a little bit of an over exaggeration. David, he was he they were was also second in MVP voting. Yeah, Jason Williams, Antoine Walker, James Posey. None of those were proven players that they fit well. And of course, that they fired their coach less than 20 games into the season. And who and took Pat over? Riley step out of the yeah. Pat Riley stepping down and inspiring the team to a title that banked on. You act like they the got some. They, you act like they Indian fired history. a bozo and put another bozo. They fired a Hall of Fame coach and put in another Hall of Fame coach. Like, Wait, come on, did man. You say Stan Van Gundy is a Hall of Fame coach? Absolutely. 
that I mean, I don't even know where to take that. Look, I love Stan. Uh, and clearly, clearly, clearly not as much as me. No, a Hall of Fame coach. I mean, and I'm I'm one of those guys that believes that the Hall of Fame should be open to almost anybody. Hey, one all star appearance, you're in, baby. That's all that matters. But Stan Van Gundy, Hall of Fame coach. Uh, I mean, one trip to the finals. Great coach, regardless. I mean, regardless, they didn't, you know, he wasn't some bozo. You know what I mean? Like, sure. he's like a good coach. All right. And they That's replaced fun. him with, but like, I guess, David, my point is that like, I, I, I like maybe, maybe once or twice, you know, and it's always like the plucky heat. Right, it's like that's like kind of oh look look how cute it is. They were plucky in 2010 when they built like the best team in NBA history with three all stars. Yeah, but then the every, top 10 yeah, players. and then everybody focused on what they didn't have, and then they ran rush out on Dexter them. Pittman. Man, come on, Eric Dampier. Uh, what are you going to get out of those guys? It didn't I mean, matter. there were legitimate questions about that roster. It didn't matter because you did have LeBron James and Dwayne Wade playing at an incredibly high level, and Chris Bosh, of course. I was going to say you forgot. Yeah, no, I know. I'm all, all too familiar with Chris's impact. But, man, I just – I don't think – I really don't think that they've been attacked. I could lean they into it for the sake they of They weren't Vegas favorites to beat Oklahoma City when Westbrook and Durant were still in diapers. <laughs> like, let's not forget that. Like, I'm old enough to remember that they weren't favored to win that series. You know, the money was the money was on Oklahoma City. So, you know, just – I don't know. Uh, I, I've always been kind of found it interesting the way that, that they're covered nationally and – um, yeah, it's just, it's interesting. You know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's just my Miami, Miami bubble, uh, or my, my Toronto bubble. Oh, shut up. Shut up. Raptors. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. you know, I, I had, uh, Iman Adan on the show recently. Homie. What's that? Great. That's, that's my homie. Great. Yeah, pod. She's fantastic. Uh, and you know, we were talking about the Raptors. I don't want to segue too much into it. Go listen to Sean Woodley over at locked on Raptors. If you want great coverage there, but what are your thoughts on the Raptors? Because I mean, they're a, I think they're a fringe playoff team. I know that they're kind of stuck in between rebuilding and and developing players and everything else, but they they've got some pretty good talent there. Of course, they're gonna fight for a six seed. They're gonna fight for a six seed. I think a lot of people are sleeping. I think they're a lot more dangerous. And I mean, the the bursts, the boost that they're gonna get from returning to Toronto is gonna be huge. I, yeah, I they just... never lose at home. Like I think people, they were like one of the they like the whole decade. They were one of the best home teams in the league. <laughs> yeah, they're right up there with Utah and Denver with an obvious advantage, but Toronto has been pretty fantastic. Well, think I mean, about it. You got to fly into Toronto, go and, and players have talked about this. You got to go through customs. You're sometimes yeah. getting there, you know, at an incredibly awkward time. So they have this like super built-in advantage that, you know, they're going to be a good, they're a good, they've always been a good home team. They have a lot of championship experience. They have good players. Like Fred Van Vliet's a, a really good two-way player. Like I think people, Pascal Siakam, had a had a little bit of a down year. He's gonna bounce back. He's gonna bounce back. Those are weird circumstances in, in Tampa and, and and the bubble. Like I think that's not fair. And I think if people are pointing to like you know Pascal had a really great season and then like took a dive right. You know he had the, the weird season and then you know Randall had a really good season and everyone expects Randall to like be great again right. I, I don't think that's like I'm not a believer in that either. I'm I love Julius either. Randall. I I love. I've been talking about Randall for a long time as a player. He finally Same. reaches potential. And yet, I don't think it's necessarily sustainable. I don't think he's going to be a, a twenty-eight point per game score all of a sudden in that Knicks offense. David, like there are statistical indicators that would tell me that Randall's going to regress. I, the one I always point to is, you know, he was the year before he was an eighteen percent pull-up three-point shooter, and that yeah. skyrocketed to forty percent. That yeah. never happens in this league from one right. season to the next. Like, you know, you can rehabilitate your jumper, right? Like a Kemba is. It a wasn't great like a, it wasn't that. like injury contributed to that low number. He was healthy. Yeah. He just he wasn't shooting well. He's not a good he's shooter. A good shooter. That's just fine and like draymond green had a spike right, right. 
like it happened. So like that's yet to be seen. So I, I don't really think that that's super fair. Like how Randall gets a love that Pascal doesn't. And I think Pascal's going to bounce back. OG Ananobi has showed us a lot of on-ball skill. You know, obviously we know what Dragic can do. Dragic with an extended rest, he, he's looked really good in preseason. How perfect would OG be on this roster, man? Like, oh, I mean, I know be, that's ridiculous, but I, I no, just, yeah, I mean, he fit in any roster, David. I mean, he'd be per, he'd be fair. a perfect starting four for like a lot of teams. Fair. Um, yeah, I mean, he could play the five. He's got to play the five in from Toronto a lot. I just, right? I, so, I, I, I mean, his talent. The fact everybody kind of forgets, like he's a, like all NBA defender and also close to a forty percent shooter. I, I mean, he's is, depoy level. Like he's a depoy like level guy. Yeah. Anyway, we've like, talked too much gonna, for Raptors talk. Uh, but real quick, like uh, on a point that I made with Iman on Twitter, uh, the Raptors have a better coach than the Knicks. They have better players than the Knicks because if you drafted from both teams, I bet the Raptors make six of the least of the top eight picks. Dragic outplayed Kemba in a playoff series twelve months ago. You know, there's like a lot. There's a lot of little like people like pencil that like I think the Knicks are going to be the worst team in that division. You yeah. know, behind Boston, Toronto the Nets and I guess Philadelphia is the one wild card because of Ben Simmons, but it's just, that's going to be a, a fun division to look at. You know, thankfully Miami has a, a weaker division. Yeah. Well, I mean, who knows? I, I, I'm actually a believer in what Charlotte's got cooking over there. I don't know exactly how realistic it could be, but I think they're going to be better. They've got players coming back. I mean, a lot of it obviously depends on Kelly Oubre's fit and whether that Gordon Hayward can stay healthy for a full season, something he has not been able Yet to, to be seen. For. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, quick hitters before I let you go here. The the issues with the depth or the concerns with the depth, obviously, depending on Victor Oladipo, but assuming he comes back to even a serviceable level player, overstated or just on the money? I don't think stated enough. I mean, if he comes back, like, you know, even... So the, the say, concerns are overstated then. That, that's what your take is, right? It's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, think, I think if he comes back to even what he was last season, like, they're going to be dangerous. I mean, they could put out a, a five-man lineup of... of Oladipo, uh, Kyle, Jimmy, PJ, Bam, and like good luck on offense. You know what I yeah. mean? That that that's a switch everything. You know, you know, pull a fire alarm kind of lineup. And if and it's why like I prefer the Nets matchup over the um over the Bucks matchup. You know, yeah. and that's that's even if Kyrie's there, sure, because you, know, you have you know you're probably the team best equipped to defend them. Like they, yeah, there's no weak spots. So yeah, I, I think Depot is going to be huge for them. All right, uh, Miami's final seed prediction? Probably four. Four or five. Behind Atlanta? Um, yeah, I think Atlanta. I think I think four behind Atlanta. I think if, you know, obviously, like, Philadelphia is so weird, right? Like, I think yeah, Philadelphia yeah. should be the three seed if, like, Ben is there and depending. So, like, it, it's hard to, like, look at the East because, like, they're going to be a good regular season team because Embiid's that good. And, you know, for as much as we clown Simmons, he's a good player and they'll win regular season games. But if he's not there and if they get a bad return for him, and I could see the Sixers being a four or five seed, right? So it, it depends. But, you know, I don't think Miami even needs a home court in the first round of the playoffs. So, like, if they're, if they're like, four or five, like, I don't think Agreed. they care. Yeah. Agreed. Like, All right. Uh, final one there. Uh, lastly, with the season just a couple of days away, are they closer to being a contender or a pretender? Oh, they're closer to being a contender. David, they have, my opinion, their best championship equity in the East. And I, I tweeted the other day, I was like, no, they're, they're like championship good. I think they're a wing away. I think David, they're a wing away from like being like a legitimate, like, Oh damn, they're coming. Like whatever. I'm so curious to see their one move away, David, they're a wing away. I think depth. We know this was a pot about depth. 
think depth is for the regular season, which is why I have them four and five mm-hmm. in the playoffs. I mean, the Raptors won a championship playing seven guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you just got to get seven, eight guys out there and you can win a title. We've seen it happen. The Lakers won a title with no depth, a bunch of bad players. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if they, they're one move away, David, they're one wing at the four away from being like really, really spicy. I agree. It's just, you know, we've had this conversation here and elsewhere and I'm just national media bias, notwithstanding. I just, I cannot wrap my mind around the disparity in what we believe of this team and what others see of this team. Like they see, maybe it's just a surface level analysis around the world or around the country in particular, where they look at this team and say, Oh, you're counting on older Jimmy Butler. You're counting on you know a, a player who got outscored by Brent Forbes, et cetera. Uh, you know, Kyle Lowry on his last legs of his career, who knows what's happening with Bam and Abayo and Tyler hero and everybody else and overall depth issues on this team. And you just look at this group and say, you know, they're probably closer to a six or seven seed. And yet here you and that's I are, insane. yeah, I, I just, I cannot wrap my mind around that. So that's why I was curious to get your takes on it. I'll have other people throughout the week leading up to the season opener on Thursday in Milwaukee. I'll be there. Of course, Wes Goldberg and I will be providing a recap of that game. It should be an exciting season to cover in the meantime, G, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Uh, please let my listeners know what you've got going on. Of course, you talked about it before. And of course, they should be following you by now. If you listen to this podcast, there's a pretty good chance you listen to the Miami Heat Beat podcast as well. Yeah, you can check me out on Twitter at Genavis103 for all my bad takes, but really follow the main account at MIA Heat Beat. We give all our updates for when our streams are. We do pre and post game shows after every game. So we have the Weird Off pregame show. Prior to every game, hosted by Jack Alfonso with the, with our cast of characters, and then our post game show Hangover Time, which is the big the the, the best thing that we do, I think, uh, hosted by I, Alfonso. I'm a little Sydney. disappointed. I've never been invited. Is it because yeah, of my we we've talked about it? I think you you've I, you haven't been invited. No, to the we'll change uh, that. To, to the post game. No, I'm not, to you the post game. Yeah, I have not. I have, I'm not much of a drinker at home, but uh, I mean, I, I can bend the rules a little bit. To bend the rules show. a little bit. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll get to it for sure. Yeah, I, I'll. We, we had talked about it. I, I don't know. If that's that's funny that that's not. He's scared of me. That's why he keeps making those serial killers. Well, Brass is scared of you, our producer for the post game show. Uh, why is he scared? He's never even met me. He's uh, listen. He's, he's you know, we have those eyes, man. You've seen the Photoshop. I, I've seen you. Yeah. Look. <laughs> But follow us on those platforms, twitch.tv slash MIAHeatBeat. If you'd like us on YouTube, special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting today's episode. Special thanks to you, young Carla, for being on the show once again. And to all of you for listening. Thank you so much for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. This is David Ramil signing off for now. I don't